Hello and welcome to Highland Football Weekly with me, Ian Auld. First of all, a massive thank you to everyone who has got in touch on the back of the Stuart Kettlewell podcast with their positive feedback. Really good to hear uh, tales of Stuart's career and also uh, talk so passionately about Ross County and we really do wish him all the very best. We're sticking with Ross County this week, well the Ross County theme anyway. Another title winner from the 2011-12 season, Colin McMenamin, a man who scored 20 goals that season to help the Staggies en route to the Premiership. Ross County were formidable that season and uh, Colin McMenamin spearheaded that attack. He's, He's a man that certainly knows where the goal is. He's had no problem across his career scoring goals or finding the back of the net and we're also going to talk to him about his career which started at Newcastle to come to such clubs as Livingston, Dundee, Gretna, Shrewsbury Town, Falkirk, of course Ross County before he ended his career at Stenhouse Muir and also stepped into management as well. Really nice of him to give his time and talk about his career. Really enjoyed my uh, hour or so and his company. I'm sure you will too so sit back and enjoy Colin McMenamin. Delighted to welcome on to the podcast now a man who certainly knows where the goal is. He scored lots of goals for Ross County in a year and a half with the Staggies. Colin McMenamin. Colin, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. No, it's a, it's a pleasure, Colin. We, we've spoken to uh, a couple of your teammates now on the podcast. Uh, you are part of that title-winning Ross County side back in 2011-12 to take Ross County into the Premier Division for the first time in the club's history. That's Obviously, they have dropped down since, but one of your former teammates, Stuart, Stuart Kettlewell, got them back up and they're now in the in the, in the the top flight at the moment. Uh, good times when you reflect on that. Uh, we'll talk a bit more in detail, of course, but good times when you reflect on your time in the Highlands? Oh, wonderful time. Obviously, I stayed up there and I met a lot of good friends that I'm still in touch with. Um, so, loved every minute of up there. Well, I say every minute, I loved most of it up there. <laughs> um, and it's it's a right good club and obviously it's, it's great to see them back in the Premier League and being an established team and hopefully it continues. Yeah, fingers crossed that they can, uh, of course, they're, they're at the kind of wrong end of the table at the moment. But uh, knowing a lot of guys over there, I'm, I'm very uh, I'm very, uh, very confident they'll they'll pull clear of that uh, very shortly. Uh, Colin, we're going to look back over your your career as well. Um, started out at your local club, Queen of the South, as a youngster, but um, Newcastle United came calling. Uh, year two thousand. How did that come about then? I know it, it seems a bit surreal now when you think about it. Um, but I'd, I'd, I'd let, I was only at Queen of the South as a, a schoolboy. Okay. I left at 16, 17 and went to play for Annan, which was the East of Scotland League then. Uh-huh. When you look at the teams that are playing now, it was basically the Lowland League. So it was a decent standard for a 17, 18-year-old kid to try to make his way. And I had a very good season. I think I, think I scored 40, 42 goals or something that season. And Newcastle, I'd offers from all over Scotland, St Johnston, Dundee United, St Mirren. I had an offer from Carlisle to go in there, but I got the offer of going on trial to Newcastle for a couple of weeks just before Christmas. And at the time, they had Alan Shearer and Bobby Robson as a manager. And it was too good an opportunity to turn down, so 
I decided to go down there and see if I was uh, any good. And fortunately enough, they, they decided to offer me a contract. And once that had happened, there was only one place that I wanted to go. We've spoken to a few guys, uh, or I've spoken to a few guys on the podcast that have, you know, uh, they have been at you know big clubs at the start of their career, but uh, you know, in terms of the, the at Premier League level, but I mean, none more so than than Newcastle United at that time. They were, I mean, they were a they were a massive. Well, they they are a massive club, but they were performing really well in the Premier League. You've mentioned Alan Shearer, of course, royalty, um, on uh, on on Tyneside, and of course Bobby Robson as well. Uh, in terms of encounters with these guys, I mean, was that a kind of regular occurrence that you were kind of mingling with these guys? Yeah, like I, I was part of the first team squad. Like, okay. We played reserve games, but they would be we'd pretty much train every day together. So it would be a case of my first day on trial was the Monday. I went down on trial and the reserves had a game the Monday night. So I went straight in on a Monday to train with the first team. And obviously being a, a young a young guy from Scotland that nobody knows, you're kind of very quiet. And it was Alan Shearer that came up to me and said, listen, I'll be your partner today. And he was my, my, my running partner. He was my, my striking partner my very first day on trial. So it, it was a great education, like such a good education. As you said, they were a top team. The two seasons I was there, they finished third and fourth in the Premier League and got into the Champions League both years. So to just be around that environment, was it was it was so good for me? Um, it turned out that I wasn't good enough, which I don't think's anything to really be annoyed about because they were so good. But there was a lot of Scottish boys down there, and they end up, and it was great fun. And again, it's I've got friends from my time when I was at Newcastle, and it's it's, it's been wonderful, and it's it, it served me well for the rest of my career. I'd imagine Alan Shearer. You know, when you said that Alan Shearer was your your partner on on the on day one there, I'd imagine as a striker, you know, working alongside Alan Shearer, that's kind of a bit of a, you know, dream come true stuff. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was scary. It was like, but I, I was quite bullshit. There's probably people that know me will probably say, I don't really get phased a lot. And at that point, I thought, oh, well, if I'm here, I'm going to be here. And I was trying my hardest to come out, but I re- like, it was phenomenal. The standard was ridiculous. I'd played on the Saturday with Annan against Whitehill Welfare, who were the two top teams in the league, uh-huh. thinking, right? And then the Monday training with Alan Shearer, who was not long finished with England, but he was still the best league, the best striker in the Premier League. He was still had this aura about him. But he was brilliant. He was great with me as a young kid, just pull you and tell you things. And he used to always tell people I was the best finisher at the club. No, obviously I wasn't, but I think he was just trying to kind of instill a bit of confidence in me. And people, it, it's getting to that stage now where young kids that are still kicking about, but I'm still trying to play and coach with, they can't remember that I played, <laughs> but they all remember Alan Shearer. So I'm like, well, I, I, I taught him a few things. And uh, obviously it was the other way about, but <laughs> it's just, for an 18-year-old kid who didn't get coached much as a, as a youngster, due to the, the levels I was at to go to that top top end of the Premier League and play with probably the best English striker in the last 30-40 years uh, it was a privilege and uh, to think that he rated me at the time as well was, was even better Yeah, I mean Alan Shearer was you know, he was he was phenomenal wasn't he? I mean he was the, the kind of ultimate 
I mean, Ghost, I know there's been a couple that have come along since, like Owen and Rooney, but I mean, Alan Shearer was yeah. phenomenal. I remember watching during the first lockdown, I think, match of the day, we were doing top tens mm-hmm. every week, doing different things. It was top ten goal scorers, Alan Shearer was number one. Top ten best goals, I think he had three in the top ten. It was like the best players in the Premier League, Alan Shearer was in it. So I think that I was lucky enough to have played a couple of reserve games with him, but to train with him every day, um, no, it really was special. And the fact that we had Bobby Robson as our manager as well, who went to World Cup semi-finals and trained, as the kids now call him, the fat Ronaldo. But for me, probably the best striker I've ever seen. Bobby Robson coached him, and the fact that he, he, he coached both those uh that I managed to learn a few things from him as well. It's, it's, it's surreal. I got to know Terry Butcher for a while when he was at Cali Thistle, and mm-hmm. obviously Terry Butcher was, you know, kind of mentored by yeah. by Bobby. Um, how was he with with you? Because from the outside looking in, he just looked like the, you know, I don't mean this in a, a nasty way, but just like mm-hmm. a nice, a really nice old man. But you know, he looked like he was yeah. a real character. He was absolutely fantastic. He didn't know anybody's names, and. <laughs> I think the only name he knew was probably Alan Shearer, Kieran Dyer. It was only two ever shouted at and spoke to. He'd always forget names, but he would always pick up on wee things. He would pull you into his office and said, three weeks ago against against Liverpool, you didn't do this. And I was like, fuck, right, okay. And he would always remember that. And he would come to the reserve game, even pre-season. I remember playing pre-season games against, like we played against like Spenny Moore and Bedling Terrors, all top teams in the Northern League area. He would be at every game. He would never ever forget anything about the games. And I remember the day that I left Newcastle, he had me in his office at St James's. And I remember him saying to me, work as hard as you can because you, you'll have a career in the game. He went, just never give up your work rate. He went, I think you might be the one that comes back to haunt me. It turns out I didn't. But <laughs> the, the fact that he thought that at the time... Mm-hmm. Um, it was great and I was lucky enough to meet him again afterwards when I was at Gretna um, he came to one of our games and he came in to talk to the players before we played a big game with Gretna and he, he remembered who I was and I was like ah, I was there for two years he never remembered me once there but <laughs> I can come play with Gretna two three years later and he managed to remember me so no a wonderful man I went and retweeted something a few weeks ago when he's doing a team talk and my mates Brian Kerr who was there and Stephen Caldwell are both in the video and if you see the way he talks to the players and how he talks about the fans and he's complete and utter enthusiasm for the game and for the fans and the way things should be it really is it's, it's brilliant and uh, it was it was a wonderful person to know and I'm glad that I managed to work with him for a short period of time I think he's one of these you know characters in, in football that Everyone, you know, regardless of what team you support, everyone had a soft spot for for Bobby Robson. I mean, he just was. I mean, and his achievements in the game uh, speak, uh, you know, speak for themselves. Uh, you um, you mentioned there you leave Newcastle and you come back up to to Scotland and you sign for Livingston in two thousand and two. You make your, your debut in the in the top flight playing for Livy. Now again, Livy at that time they they spent a year. In the Premier League, they were on the up. They finished mm-hmm. third that season uh, before yeah. you joined as well. I mean, they had, I mean, some team uh, you'd actually forgotten. I mean, the quality that, that Livy had. I mean, big Marvin Andrews was was playing. Yeah. Uh, Rubio at centre half. Um, mm-hmm. the, the goalkeeper uh, Brotto. 
uh, Barry Wilson, yeah. of course, that familiar with with our listeners uh, of Inverness Persuasion. Uh-huh. David um, Bingham as well. Yeah, David Bingham. Yeah, I mean a fantastic player. Uh, I mean those. Talk to us about joining Livingston and, and getting involved in in that dressing room and that team because you know quite a, a, a you know a bunch of cracking players led by a big character none other than Jim Leishman. <laughs> well, I, I no, it was. I was. I had the chance to. I could have signed for Kilmarnock and I could have signed for Dundee United mm-hmm. and Livingston came in. And the main reason for going to Livingston was John Robertson, to be honest. Ah, um, okay, yeah, of course. So, John Robertson was a coach at the club. Mm-hmm. So it was Robbo that phoned me, asking me to come in, and I was like, okay. And I remember getting the train into Edinburgh, and it was Robbo that picked me up, took me into Livingston, and showed me around and. I thought if I'm a striker, I, I'm not. I can't learn off anybody better. It's he was so good. Now I'd been in England for two years, so I wasn't too aware of the players that Livy had, especially the Spanish players, because Brotto was amazing, Rubio was amazing, and um, we also had Kino in the middle of the park with David Fernandez up front. Yeah, of course. So I, I wasn't aware of them at the time. So it wasn't until I, I signed. That I realised, wow, this is this is a serious team, and I started to wonder how do I get in it, because it was very difficult. And at that point, you had the under twenty one rule, and you you had to have two um, under twenty ones on the bench or in the sixteen squad. So I was fortunate that because I was still under twenty one, that it was myself and Richard Britton actually. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. were always on the bench and always in the squad, and it was a shame for Richie because you don't really get a young midfielder being subbed on but with 20 minutes to go you would always get the striker to try and get something so I got I got a lot of minutes that first season yep. so I did and I learned so much in training because as I said you had Bingy you had David Fernandez, Barry Wilson as a winger you had David Zouza I think he played at Inverness yep, as well yep. for a spell and I was playing with these players that had so many games and so much experience under their belt that I was learning so much. And the fact that behind that you had players with such great quality, I was very fortunate. I definitely picked the right team at the right time for me. I've been watching Livingston over the last couple of weeks. In fact, I watched them last night on, on Sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, they don't have the same maybe, talented players uh, as they did back in when you played for them, but the the same spirit remains there. I mean, Livingston in that early what two thousand and one, two thousand and two, three, and then obviously they win a trophy in two thousand and four. They've got that kind of same spirit going in their current day team as well. But Livingston at that point, I mean, there was a, I mean, they were performing way above maybe oh, the, yeah. the you know the, the I mean the the support base behind the club etc. I mean the, the the club was was over performing, but. You know when? Who cares? When they're playing well, they're playing well. Well, that's it. Like the, the fact that a small club like Livingston finished third in the Premier League, I think is a testament to the players and the management at mm-hmm. the time. Now, obviously, when I think it was Jim Leishman and Davy Hay, we mm-hmm. had co-managers, and Davy Hay was more really tactical, really aware of the game. He was brilliant. Whereas Leish would come in and just give you a wee speech and he would make you feel 10 foot tall and he was funny with it I don't even know if he wanted to be funny at times but he was funny I remember one day he came in and 
Davy Hay would go through every tactical set plays who to look out for dangers who to be in right areas and Leash came in with a minute before we walked out and just said lads I've got one word for you one word for you today and it was be reliable so, and he just walked out sorry players are pissing themselves laughing going well, that's two words but it was the kind of things that it just brought everybody together and they bounced off each other so well that it was difficult not to be successful because you just loved every minute of being at a club I actually heard uh, he was on Radio Scotland last night before the the Livingston Celtic <laughs> game, and, and he was it was a, it was a chat with him about his his career and stuff like that, and and he he said that he you know he used to go and just tell the players, listen, they're gonna they're trying to beat us up, but we're gonna beat them up, and we'd walk out, and I'm like, you know, but it seemed to work because I mean he had that you know that relationship with the players and the you know the understanding of each other and a mutual respect and. You know, he's he's a pretty off the wall character, but it but it, again, it seemed to work. Off the walls, one way of describing it. <laughs> I remember in training, getting I got frustrated in training. I can't remember what it was, and he went, "Come and speak to me after training." I was like, "Oh no, I'm in trouble here." So I remember chatting the manager's door, and him and Davy were sitting, and uh, I remember Leash saying to Davy, "Gives him a minute. I just give me a couple of minutes with him." So Davy left. So he said he sat me down. He goes. We're going to have a game of word association. I was like, eh? He's like, if I see an actor like Tom Cruise, you've got to think of an actor beginning with C. I'm like, what's going on here? And I'd done that for half an hour with him. And when we finished, he says, your mind is now clear. You can go. I'm like, I've actually no idea what had happened in that half hour. <laughs> so he, he, had, he had these strange kind of things I remember him sitting down as well with the players and going, I'm going to teach you how to remember 20 words. And he'd, go, he'd write a duck, the word duck up in the whiteboard, and then he'd tell a story about a duck. And then it would be about how it went to this house. Before you knew it, you'd remember 20 words. He meant, I'm, I'm teaching you how to be better on the pitch without using on it. It was it was either brilliant or crazy, but at the time you go, you know what? It must have been well because we done we were really successful under him. So <laughs> some crazy things I've not seen since. <laughs> <laughs> but then that's why you know he's a bit of a, a one off, and it, it's interesting here. I'm just looking through. We've talked about Jim Leishman and uh, Davy Hay, Bobby Robson uh, at Newcastle. You have a loan spell at the start of the 2003 season, and you you joined Falkirk on loan. Now, listeners will see where I'm going with this because you end up with another <laughs> another character in, uh, in, in in Scottish football, one that's obviously well-known to us in the Highlands, uh, manager of Ross County at the moment, formerly of Cali Thistle, John Yogi Hughes. Uh, you worked with him for, for six months at Falkirk there. What are your um, what are your experiences of, of, of Yogi and also your time with, with Falkirk? Yeah, listen, I, Falkirk fans will probably say I was hopeless, but... I think I scored five goals in maybe 14 games, which is reasonable. Mm-hmm. But the reason I signed was because of Yogi, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, again, just went out his way to make me feel welcome because at that point I could have went I could have went to Inverness because Robbo was a manager at Inverness. Okay, of course, yeah. Um, so I could have went there and I could have went to Clyde. So that was the top three teams in the first division at the time. Mm-hmm. But I just, I went to speak to Yogi and I thought it was great and, I'd love to have went and played for Robbo, but Inverness on loan seemed a bit far away. <laughs> and uh, it just turned out that the first game of the season was against Inverness. 
and I scored my first goal that day. And then I remember getting Stuart McCaffrey saying, "Oh, I didn't get him saying off. He stamped on me. I told it. I tell everybody that." And uh, Robbo kind of had a go at me after the game, but we made up. But it's Robbo was having a go at me. I remember Yogi just coming in and standing between the two of them, between me and Robbo, and going, "Don't talk to my player," and took me away. And I always thought, "God, he's got my back." And I was absolutely delighted when he got the county job. And mm-hmm. I, I know for a fact that they'll love his training. Absolutely love his training. Everything's forward thinking. It's all about passing. It's all about getting high up the park. It's all about pressing. His enthusiasm for the game is second to none. And you can see that with his interviews. I think everybody, all county fans, will be sitting back loving every single one of his interviews because he's he's honest and he just wants boys to play football and enjoy it. I was lucky enough that I played with him as well. He was player manager at Falkirk. Of course, I. So I played with him as well. Um, and he's a different breed when he's playing because he doesn't play the game the way that he wants it played, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yep, yep. Um, Yogi was more of a hustle, bustle, head it and kick it away guy. But now he wants his teams to pass the ball. And he's. it's a shame that he was out of the game for so long there. I don't think things went well for him at Wraith Overs. But I'm glad that he's back in because I'm pretty sure that will be he will be successful and County will certainly. Well, you've, we've already seen it. Um, County will get higher up the league now that he's there. We've heard from a lot of players that have worked with Yogi, and I mean I've heard some players describe him as the best coach they've ever worked with, um, mm-hmm. and, and they've been you know several years in the game. In fact, some have even um, you know nearly nearly finished their careers, and they've said that he's the best coach they've ever worked with. Mm-hmm. In that short space of time, would you go along with that? Was he one of the, the kind of guys that you uh, you know, ad- admired as a coach? Well, obviously, I was only there six months and I remember doing the lockdown kind of interviews with uh, Kenny Crawford, who was doing lockdown uh, kind of quizzes on Twitter, mm-hmm. lockdown interviews on Twitter, just to, and he asked who the best manager, and I actually said Jogi then, um, just for the fact that he, he made you want to play football. He was... Training was always different. It was always enjoyable. He's so knowledgeable. He knows the game. He knows every player in Scotland. He knows everybody. And I'm glad he's back. He was. No, I'm saying as a manager, but as a coach as well, I had Robbo. And for a, a young Scottish kid being a striker, John Robertson was incredible. And I did tell you, Robbo, he signed Harry Payton. And uh, I did tell Kets to sign Harry Payton and Robbo was like, I'm not too sure if he's ready. So maybe Robbo's not as good a coach as I think, because I think Harry's having a great season. So <laughs> um if not, maybe if I've I said in the past, Jogi's the best manager I played under. He was uh, he was brilliant for me especially because he might not have got the best out of me at Falkirk, but he certainly pushed me on to have a better career than I would have had if I'd not had him. Ah, you're right there. Harry Payton is um, on fire at, at County yeah. uh, at the moment. Um, you, that's that season that you have. You start the season at Falkirk that year, and then you go back to Livy. Um, you score eight goals on your arrival back at Livingston as well. But I, I, I'm, I'm not sure if this is right. Um, the 2004 League Cup final. Are you, you are you cup tied for that? I was. Yeah, I played against Hearts with Falkirk. Ah, okay. So I was. Um, so I was uh, obviously disappointed um, but because I'd been playing the games before it or being involved and 
obviously I played in all the games after it but look, it was one of those things I wanted to go on loan especially when the Brazilian manager came in at Livingston and he was going down a different route but it, it, it served me better because without going to Falkirk on loan I would never have had the career that I had so I can sacrifice being involved in the cup final and, and to be fair to Davy Hay Davy Hay made me feel part of it I stayed with the squad mm-hmm. I travelled with the squad I was at the game I was chief bottle opener after the game with the beers <laughs> um, so I was on the pitch I was like John Terry um, so I was on the pitch after the game I'm in all the pictures but that was a, a bit of a sweet moment I suppose delighted for the players but obviously slightly disappointed I wasn't involved myself so um, I can still say I was there and enjoyed every minute and it, at the end of the day it was all my mates that just won League Cup so delighted for them Um, and as much as you want to be involved you understand the reasons why and it was the same with Richie me and Richie Britton the the two of us went on loan at the same time I went to Falkirk he went to Wraith Rovers and we both missed out in the Cup Final but we managed to play a couple of weeks later the both of us were involved in the Scottish Cup semi so that was your kind of Cup Final that day and, and we'll touch on later as well, but silverware does arrive. Um, I'm interested to find out, because you, you spend a year down at Shrewsbury, you leave Livingston in uh, 2005, and uh, Livingston don't have a, a, a such a great season that season, 05-06, but you spend your time, well, you, you sign for Shrewsbury Town. Now, again, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of players, I know that a lot of players up here are keen to, to go and... Um, you know, try down south and, and see how that works. You scored 11 goals for Shrewsbury Town uh, in your season with them as well. And uh, and interesting enough as well, you spend a season as a teammate of a young Joe Hart as well, um, who was making his name uh, in the game and would go on to become uh, an English World Cup goalkeeper as well. Uh, talk to us about your, your season at Shrewsbury Town. I loved it down there. Absolutely loved it. Um, it's a beautiful town, old Tudor style, and it's crying. And... I don't think people realise the amount of games you play in England. You've obviously got the, the three cups that you're involved in at that level. So you play, and you play, what, is it 48 league games or something? So you play a lot of football. And I loved it. And I'm still friends with players from my time down there. I've always said it was probably the wrong choice to come back up the road. Because I'd signed a two-year contract down there. So I was I had another year left down there when I decided to come back up the road. But it was just a great club. Obviously, we played with Joe Hart at the time. I played with Dave Edwards, who went on to play in the European Championships mm-hmm. with Wales. Mm-hmm. There was other players that came up and done okay in Scotland. Stephen Hogg was decent, came up to Gretna. But there's boys down there that have had very good careers. And as much as you want to play in England, there's always part of you that wants to go up and prove yourself in Scotland because... You get forgot about down there mm-hmm. with your mates and kind of media things. And at the time, it wasn't about money at that point. It was just about trying to make myself a name in the game. But in hindsight, I should have stayed down there because um, it was a great club. And it was a year before, it was the last season at Game Edo. They've now moved into their new stadium. And it was proper old school. And we had maybe 8,000 fans. And it was just a wonderful club. And really enjoyed every minute of it down there. You, you move back up to Scotland the following season, and it's interesting you say make a name because uh, that that next season you're in Scotland. You you do you win the first division title 
Um, and it's interesting as well because you must be the only uh, the only player in Scottish football to win two first division title winners medals at uh, at the Global Energy Stadium, as it's now known, because um, of course that season ends. <laughs> yeah. With you, uh, with you winning um, the title in, in Dingwall, um, that you're actually your your first your first uh, your first goals that you score for Gretna. Uh, I had to remind myself last night. I was actually at that game. It was a two-one win over Ross County. Uh, now Gretna were on the back of the Scottish Cup final appearance where they took Hearts to penalties uh, the summer of two thousand and six. They were also involved in the, the UEFA Cup as well. Um, I mean, it was a quite a terrific uh, time for the club. I, I kind of wanted to go to cover that game just to tick it off my list and, and be there. Um, mm-hmm. Ross County were having a bit of a difficult time, but talk about Gretna because yeah. that must have been some experience. I mean, uh, I mean the the players that were involved that season as well. You were up top with the likes of James Grady and uh, Kenny Duker. Um, quite a quite a club, quite a season, I'd imagine. It, it was amazing. But I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. It wasn't my, my first two goals won against Ross County. Oh, were they not? Uh, no. Uh, my first game was we played Hamilton in the league. I signed on the Friday, right. so I wasn't registered in time to play in the UEFA Cup because uh, I came from England. So the international thing and couldn't get registered in okay, time. Okay. And we beat Hamilton. We beat Hamilton six one, and I was like, oh, how am I getting into this team? But on the Thursday night, we were in the UEFA Cup and we played Derry. And Derry gave us a doing. They beat us 5-1. That's right, at Fort Park, wasn't and it? I? I, was at, I was in the stand. So because we'd played the Thursday, our, my first game was on the Sunday against Clyde. And we we were rotten against Derry. So I played, I started against Clyde on the Sunday and we won 2-1 and I scored both goals. I then... We played against Ross County and I scored two goals. And then I played against Queen of the South and I scored two goals. And I think every game was two one, two one, two one. So the first three games I'd scored six goals and it, it just it, it set me off on a platform where it really did help me because I then went on to obviously I scored a lot of goals that season and I, I think I played every game bar one. I was suspended for one game. So it, I was I was a bit more mature. I remember walking into the changing room and I knew players of John O'Neill and Davy Nichols, who I was with at, at Falkirk. Mm-hmm. Um, Stevie Tosh and David Dingham were there, who I knew from Livingston. And I wasn't as naive as I was when I was at Livingston. So they kind of, they took me, they took me a bit more serious when I went to Gretna than these older players would have done when I was just a young kid. And it was just a great club. The first year when we won the first division was, was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, some really good players. Like I've, I've mentioned a few there, but we had Alan Main in goals as well, who was a top goalkeeper. Of course, aye. we had Martin Lincoln, people, and, yeah. and we had Danny Granger, we had Gavin Skelton, Ryan McGuffey, James Grady. So we were we were a top top team in that first division that year, and the fact that we should have won it long before we did, we got a bit of nerves. To win it up at Dingwall, the last game of the season, the last kick of the ball, really, mm-hmm. it was um, a really, really good night and a really, really good week and a half after it as well. <laughs> well every, everyone I've spoke to <laughs> about that day, you can imagine, of course, has has been uh, involved in Ross County. Uh, I mean, Michael Gardine talked about it. He was in his he was on loan yeah. from Celtic that season and he had a good I season mean, by all accounts. 
Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember he scored. But you're the first person that we've talked on the on the reverse side of that. They obviously Ross County go down. We all know that they come back up, of course. But um, talk to us about that day in Dingwall because that must have been well helicopter helicopter yeah. uh, Saturday they were calling it. I mean, it was a quite quite something of a day. It was. I remember we went down one 0 early. Um, I think it was Mitch that scored the first goal, and then we were. I think we were two one up at half time, and. Regardless of what had happened, we got told at half time Airdrie were winning. It meant Ross County were relegated, regardless mm-hmm. of what happened. Now, I don't know how true that might be, but they were, we were yeah. like, oh, well, this is done, go and close the game off. But it went back to 2 2, and it was the nerves. Well, it's the worst I've felt in the last 15 minutes of a game in my entire life. It was just horrible. I, I couldn't see us scoring we weren't playing well and to be fair to David Irons the manager he changed things about and we went we are three and the way the goal ends up I end up playing a diagonal pass to David Graham on the left who was supposed to be on the right and he crosses it into James Grady who scores who was supposed to be on the left and I was supposed to be in the middle so how it worked out I don't know and I was cramping up and for some reason one we, once we score, I end up in the Gretna fans with no, with no strip on, and I can't remember that 40 yard run. <laughs> I can't remember getting into the And it, the, one of the fans gave me my strip back to kick off the game. I'd completely lost it. And I actually think County hit the post straight for kickoff. They went up the park and hit the post, and it went wide. And at that, when the final whistle went, it was just bedlam. Um, it was amazing we, we had a big crowd up at that day from yep. from Gretna but because of the way the game had went we had to wait a 45 minutes to an hour for the helicopter to come up to give us the trophy so it was a great day um, with the bus I've always said there, there's no better place to win the league than a three hour bus journey down the road <laughs> you're quite right so, and it, it was the same with County because we won it down in air that's right so, aye um, it was amazing uh, we stopped in Aviemore we got chucked out of two pubs in Aviemore on the way back down the road and then we, obviously we went into training on Monday to pick up our gear and Brooks had booked us all our flights to, to Tenerife and we had four days in Tenerife and just a wonderful week really I'll live with me forever especially James's goal um, I remember James was wasn't much of a drinker didn't he drink uh-huh. on the Sunday the son in the record phoned him to do an interview and he says I'll give you an interview if you come into the pub in Glasgow that we were in and put money behind the bar so the Scottish son came in put a thousand pound behind the bar so we had two days just drinking just partying all because we James doesn't drink and he, he went and put it behind the bar for, Brilliant. for the boys so absolutely amazing scenes and it's it'll live with me forever and something that I'm very proud of what a man! What a, I mean, James Gray has always been someone that I've, you know, he's, he's always kind of come across as a, a nice guy, but uh, he's just gone up up in my estimation. That's for sure. Uh, it was brilliant, and he came out as well, James. James came out, and but did they touch a drink? Did they drink? <sighs> so, uh, and to be fair, because James was harshly treated that season, um, especially kind of the middle part of that season where he was made to train with the youths, and obviously the change in management happened, mm-hmm. and James he's. James will tell you his contribution that season probably wasn't 
what he would have liked but he'll always be remembered for scoring two goals that, that won Gretna League and got them promoted Jogs Talking Balls is the new podcast where four football fans debate the biggest talking points in football history with some hilarious results. Diana Ross scores that penalty. There's an argument for the greatest goal of all time because she breaks the goal. She literally breaks the goal. Each week there's a different topic where the four of us have to come to a complete agreement on a final top five. Okay, let's buckle up. It's going to be a long night. Tipso's not in. Aldi's not in. I'd put a cross through them yet. Oh, Ross isn't happy. He's not happy. And that's where our real opinions come to the fore. They're just a, a skid mark on, on high and football. I just hate them They're just a shambles of a club And when comparing the two I just find Dundee mm-hmm. deeply unpleasant Sit back and reminisce As the debate takes all sorts of turns It's the craziest The most amazing goal celebration That we'll never see If it makes these two boys <laughs> Wet their knickers the way it is now Then it has to be good The back of that stand Like has an asbestos warning <laughs> I mean come on Jesus The Jocks Talking Balls podcast A must listen for all football fans Find us on Spotify And other podcast platforms now Yeah that would be worth listening to I would love to hear that Gretna go up to the the Premiership the following season. Of course, we all know what happens, and 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 obviously, you know, uh, you know, it's a horrific season for the football club after the high of of the last two seasons with the title win and the Scottish Cup final appearance. Uh, that season's a a very interesting one from from your own point of view. You have three different clubs that season. You're on loan. You're back at Livingston in November of that season, and then you join you join Dundee uh, in the January, but. That Livy side of, I mean, Livy were having their own problems. Um, I'm not too sure if the Italians were were involved at that stage at Livingston, but they were having their own problems on and off the park. But when you looked at the Livy team, I mean, you were you were on loan. You played a couple of times for Livy in the months, a couple of months you had there. But you were playing alongside the likes of Robert Snodgrass, Graham Dorans, Lee Griffiths. I mean, I mean, we we all know the talent that Livingston produced. Quite, uh, quite something. But we all know now that what those guys have gone on to do in the game. Well, yeah. Well, actually, I was with Snoddy anyway. Even my first spell at Livingston, Snoddy was there. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the same with Dones. So I knew them, and at that point, um, they were top, top players then. But when I went back, I'd, I'd kind of spoke to David Irons at Gretna, and um, we all knew what was happening at the club. And uh, David Irons was my manager at Annan Athletic way back before I really went and done anything. And he told me that, listen, if you can get out, get out. This is going. This is only going to go one way. The club's in real trouble. At that point in November, I couldn't sign for anybody, so I could only go out alone. And I could, I could have went to Dundee at that point. I could have went to Hamilton, but then Livingston phoned, and it. It wasn't the Italians at that point. It was still uh, Pierce Flint, okay. who had actually left under, and the manager was Mark Proctor. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to meet the chief executive Vivian, who I knew from my time there before. And it was probably a mistake to go back. Everybody tells you not to go back to the same club, but I had that affinity with the club that I decided that that would be the best 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 move to make for me. And to be fair, I done okay. I think I scored three, four goals maybe in the couple of months I was there. But I did see the emergence of Sparky, and I I seen him on I think it was Open Goal, kind of saying that me coming to the club kind of stunted him. <laughs> I mean, I never stunted him that much, but <laughs> um, because I came in and I was kind of an established striker at that level, he kind of took a back step. But listen, I I know him well and. It was amazing 
to see him coming through as a 16 year old kid going wow but when my loan came to an end I had a decision to make because it was either stay at Gretna for the next I had a year and a half left it wasn't as if it was only six months and then I went and spoke to the club and asked if they would just if they would let me go for nothing and fortunately enough they said yes and I managed to sign for Dundee who who were a huge 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 club mm-hmm. and it was it was just something that seemed too good for me at that point You were at Dundee, at Dundee until uh, 2010 so you spend a, a fair amount of time there as well again Dundee's a, a very uh, interesting one because there's obviously a a fair bit of uh, investment in the playing squad in the 0-9-10 season. Uh, Jockey Scott's the manager. Lee Griffiths, ironically, uh, joins uh, Dundee. Rob Douglas is there. Gary Harkins. Uh, we spoke to Sean Higgins and, and Richie Hart on the podcast who, who'd who also signed that, that, that summer as well uh, in, in 2009 from Ross County. Uh, and and Dundee yeah. were going to have a real go at it, and it, it it just didn't work out in the in the end. Um, I know there was a change in management midway through. How do you uh, look back and, and assess your your time with uh, Dundee, who you rightly point out are a you know are a kind of bit of a sleeping giant, if you like? Yeah, they're, they're huge. Um, I still believe to this day, if we kept Jockey Scott as manager, we would win the league. Mm-hmm. Um, Jockey Jockey Scott must be one of the only managers ever to get sacked at top of the league. <laughs> but that's where we were at that point we, we had a guy owning us called Callum Melville mm-hmm. who kind of it, it seemed like his toy at the time and I remember we played I'm sure it was Airdrie on the Saturday and we lost nothing sure we were top of the league I think we were five points clear of Cali at the time and I think Ross County or maybe we were six clear of County and we lost and I remember getting a phone call on the Saturday night saying the manager had been sacked. I'm like, what? I couldn't believe it. And for some reason, it just knocked the stuffing out of everybody. Knocked the stuffing. We were top of the league in November, December time when we played in the Challenge Cup final. Mm-hmm. We were 2-0 down at half-time to Cali. That's right. And I remember Jockey Scott saying at half-time, um, if we don't win this game, I'll get sacked. Now, at that point, we were top of the league. And we were like, we didn't know whether to take him seriously. Fortunately, we went up, win the game three two. We win the cup, and it, we as players, you don't know what's going on in the background, and you, you're kind of naive. Obviously, Jockey knew a lot more than us, so the fact that we lost that game against Airdrie and him getting the sack, it just knocked the stuffing out the whole squad, and it ended up. I think we still finished second, but we were a good distance behind Cali at that point. Mm-hmm. And um, it, we should have won the league that year, there's no doubt about it. If you ask anybody that played in that team, we should have won the league that year. And the fact that they got rid of Jockey Scott just knocked us, it killed us. And it, that became the beginning of the end for especially me, due to the, the way things were going at the club. Callum Melville then decided to pull out. We lost a Scottish Cup quarter-final to race and it then became quite toxic and I felt sorry for the new manager that came in and because he was he was, he was was always going to be fighting against everything and um, apart from the, the last six months I loved every minute of it there my only, my only regret is we never got promotion with that team it was their fourth season I think we finished second every year so 
it's uh, it's difficult to think back, but it's a wonderful football club. It's huge. I don't think people realise just how good a club that is. And uh, I get asked all the time, who's bigger, Dundee or Dundee United? And I'll always say Dundee. <laughs> it's um, it's though, but see when you go up there, you, you, everybody kind of thinks back to because Dundee United were successful in the eighties yeah. in the European competitions, but Dundee were in European Cup semi-finals in the sixties as well. Mm-hmm. And took, Jockey Scott was a top player himself, so he was he went over and played in America mm-hmm. when it, it was so a huge club, huge huge club. Yeah, I think you're right. If, the, if someone gets Dundee going, and I mean, like oh. you know, in terms of like even in the, you look at clubs like, like Motherwell, the, the success they've had over the last couple of years. If if Dundee could perform like that on a consistent basis, you would find you would find the supporters flooding back, and and, and actually, Dundee would probably be able to hold their own, at, 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 you know, in a, a versus a a Motherwell or a Kilmarnock or a St Johnston because of the, just because of the the size of the club. Uh, without a doubt, without a doubt, you actually see the kind of success. You can see the success Livy have got there now. Mm-hmm. And they'll probably only get two thousand fans once fans are allowed back in. Three thousand maybe. If Dundee were doing what Livingston are doing now, you'll sell out Dens Park, and it's as simple as that. They're a huge club, uh, and it, at the end of the day, when the trouble all happened, it was the fans that saved the club as well. Yep. So it's it's. Um, it's a great club and I'm still friends with, with people at the club as well so uh, fond memories except that maybe I ended on a sore note with, with administration You leave Dundee and you, you go back to your um, your hometown team Queen of the South um, and you spend uh, some time there but the the one we want to speak to you about uh, predominantly is your, your time at Ross County because mm-hmm. you mentioned there you won the first division uh, in sensational fashion for Gretna and Dingwall, ironically, and that final day of the season. But you, you come, you managed to to win the first division again with Ross County 2011, 12. We've spoken to a couple of members now. Um, I'll try off the top of my head, think of that of that team, all of whom have you know uh, the likes of Paul Lawson, the likes of Stuart Kettlewell, Michael Fraser. Uh, they've all spoke so highly of that team. Take us back to 2011. Derek Adams rejoins the club uh, in that summer. He comes back yeah. from Hibs. Um, is it him picking up the phone asking to uh, asking you to to come up the road and 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 how's how easy a decision was that? Well, funnily enough, I signed before Derek became manager. Oh, is that right? Okay, um, okay. Yeah. What basically what happened is I don't know if people will remember Ross County played against Queen of the South on a Tuesday night. And the lights went out. Mm-hmm. The floodlights went out. It then went to a second game back at Palmerston, and the lights went out again. And we got forced That's to right. play a game at Stirling Albion. Yeah, I remember that. We got forced to play a game at Stirling Albion, and um, it was during the after the game against Stirling Albion that it was uh, Derek's dad George approached me, just saying. Could I get your number? Would be interested in a chat. I was like, right. So I gave my number. He phoned me at the end of the season and said, uh, "Listen, we'd like to bring you up to Ross County." And I was like, "Okay." I was like, "Well, who's the manager going to be? What if he doesn't like me?" He went, "Don't worry about it. The manager will like you." <laughs> so I actually signed for Ross County without there being a manager at that point. Okay. So 
obviously then Derek then got the job after I'd agreed to sign. I may not have signed a contract, but I'd agreed to sign and said that he was he was a big fan and he was looking forward to working with me. So I remember going up to Ross County to meet them and obviously sign my contract and everything was great. It's as a lot of people will know, it's such a well run club. Roy, the amount of effort and finance that he's put into the club's phenomenal. And we went up there, and I, 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 I tell a lot of people that I was probably one of the older boys. Like, obviously, we had Michael Gardine, who was younger, Loss was younger, even Ketz, to a degree, was younger. And it was myself and Grant Monroe, who were the kind of older mm-hmm. players. And um, we, it was the first time in my career that I didn't really run the dressing room. I was quite old school and would make sure that dressing room was crazy. Absolutely nuts. And I was like, to me and Grant used to look at each other going, what's going on here? And, but at the same time, you'd go out to training and they were the most professional bunch of boys you'll ever meet. Like, they would go and do their gym work, they would, to a tee, go and do it before training, after training, work so hard and fight each other. And I mean, like, proper smash into tackles. I remember Ketz going into Mark Corcoran one of my first weeks and one of the worst tackles I've ever seen. And they both just got up and wiped it down. I was like, I think Derek had said to Ketz at the time, go and do a lap. You had to go and do a lap of the whole training area. And I was like, this is what it's going to mean. You've got to be on it. And the fact that, because we didn't start well, as everybody will tell you, yep. we were we were struggling. I think we lost to Elgin in the cup. That's right. And, and then I, I think, did I score that? I think I scored my first goal was Queen's Park in the League Cup mm-hmm. and we just kind of we drew with Morton first game we went and lost to Hamilton second game and Derek will not like it he was suspended for the first four games of the season I'm sure and after the game at Hamilton I remember Stuart Obama saying to us because Derek wasn't allowed in the change room till mm-hmm. five o'clock I remember Stuart Barmer saying you are not far away you are not far away you are a good team and that kind of lived with us and it got to the point where it's, it's hard to say we were unbeatable I know we go the rest of the season unbeatable but seeing our heads we refused to get beat we absolutely refused to get beat we were so resolute training was so intense and it's it's a moment it's just a t- a, that year will live with me forever the boys that I played with as I say I'm still in touch with a lot of them the fact that there's probably about four or five of that team still involved at football at some level mm-hmm. and we're all trying to make our way in the game it's just a wonderful season and I was very fortunate to, to play in that team that that made it easy for a striker we've spoken to as I say we've spoken to a few guys there and, and everything that every time they talk about that season, they talk about the, the togetherness, the spirit. Stuart Kettlewell last week talked about how great a, you know, great a, a team it was in terms of on and off the park as well. You mentioned the, the characters in there. Obviously there was, uh, well, I can take a good, a good guess at who's uh, providing the, 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 the kind of the, the hijinks in the, in the changing rooms, but I think yeah. you're, you're, you've mentioned a few individuals there, but from what it sounds like, the makeup of the the squad is perfect in terms of you've got a little bit of 
uh, all different characters rolled into one? We did. We did. Uh, it was sink or swim because there's a lot of people that would find it uncomfortable that wouldn't be comfortable in. It was Midge that pulled everybody in because as daft as he was in the changing room and do stupid things, you knew you could count them. You knew that if we were in a bit of trouble in a game, we could give him the ball and he would do something. And you've got straight-laced people. Grant Monroe is straight-laced, is serious, family man. See, for a night out, he would come and just take a back seat and just let Midge and he would let loss do their stuff and he would just smile and laugh but he'd be involved in it if it may, it might not make sense but he was involved in everything without doing anything stupid and we had that group like I couldn't have I, I, I struggled to kind of be away because I had a young kid at the time and I was staying with Rocco Quinn if it wasn't for Rocco and Michael Fraser I would have struggled to have coped up there but if you ask IK he me and him would play darts in, in our house. So we would, Rocco would get cracking up, try to watch the TV. Me and Ike would play darts for about two or three hours with a beer. And then Tuesday nights, you would just always go out with each other. Mm-hmm. I remember there's a pub in Dingwall called Oscars. Mm-hmm. I would go to that pub after training a Tuesday and play pool and darts with Sam Morrow, Ketz, uh, Joe Mallon. And then there's a boy, Mark McKerney. I think he's involved at Brora now. He would come out with us. And I still talk to Mark McKerney, even though I'd never, ever played him. So I've made friends up there mm-hmm. that I would, I've never done in football. It, it was surreal. It was surreal because you've probably heard for a lot of the players, we didn't get along with the manager. Um, I've said recently that I can understand where the manager was coming from now, having been a manager myself. Mm-hmm. I can get some of his methods, but we didn't get on them. It was it was scary stuff, but it was successful and it was worked out for the players and it worked out for the manager. Well, I'm I'm scared to mention now because you've corrected me already on one of your scoring. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you scored is it twenty goals that season? You scored. Yes, 20 goals uh, you, Actually, well you scored 18 goals in the last 22 games uh, And yep. including 8 in your last 7 games of the season And that kind of run in as well mm-hmm. In terms yeah. of your, your kind of scoring streak You obviously had um, You've had, well you've scored 20 plus goals in other seasons But yeah. just, you mentioned there about In terms of the service provided to you as a striker as well In terms of off the park We had a lot of We've already talked about in terms of the, the characters on the team off the park, but on the team, what a fantastic football team that was as well. It was, and the fact, like, I scored 20 goals that year, but Midge, I think Midge scored 19. I think Richie Britton probably scored 12. Mm-hmm. Vigers probably scored 12. Rocco, Rocco Quinn scored some really important goals. We had a group of players that it wasn't about one person. It was all about the team, it was all about the unit. And I was just fortunate that year that a lot of the goals that I scored were important goals. And I remember scoring on Boxing Day, away to Falkirk in the 94th minute, to draw 1-1. And it's probably the most we celebrated as a team. After the game, we were in the changing rooms. I think we were four points clear uh, of Falkirk at the time. So if they'd won that, they'd went a point behind us. See, that, that game... 
and you can ask the players that's the game we knew we were going to win a league mm-hmm. we, we refused to get beat absolutely refused to get beat and the fact that we had players scoring goals from all over the park and we had a top notch goalkeeper like Ike had probably the season of his life Michael Fraser it was people people won't believe you in 10 years time people won't believe that Ross County went 40 games unbeaten it's uh, it'll probably never happen again so a wonderful time uh, and something I'm really really proud of we've had it mentioned on the on the podcast before you've alluded to it yourself as well um, I suppose yeah, listen, well, the, I suppose the supporters would have wanted to, well, more supporters would have wanted to have been there that night, but you, you mm-hmm. cap it off at air. Am I right in saying, I mean, Michael Fraser was actually the one, the first one to kind of tell us on the podcast about how uh, you went back to a hotel in Cumbernauld and there was no kind of after party, which is, you know, I, I, personally I think, you know, there's a, there's obviously a, a case, you know, listen, you win a league, go and, you know, go and yeah. celebrate it, but... Am I right in saying was it, did you come prepared? Were you the only one that came prepared? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had your tenants? Um, I know we won the league down it, but we actually won it the night before. Yeah, um, aye, yeah. So I think Dundee had drew with Queen of the South on the Tuesday night. So because away game at air, I went down the road on the Tuesday. So I won, we won the league sitting in the house. So I had a glass of champagne. So I went and bought I think I bought 24 tenants and put it in my bag for the bus after the game and it wasn't until we, we win the league we celebrate with the fans I'd picked Paul Lawson up believe it or not I picked Paul Lawson up at the train station at Croy to take him to the hotel and I went here I've got his cargo and I remember him saying manager will not let you have that and I went what? he went manager will not let you have that I went, right, okay, we'll see. So I took it in my bag with my boots. <laughs> I had 24 tenants. So after the game, I've celebrated with the fans. We're back in. We get back on the bus, and I'm the only person that's got beers. So I was like, like you've got a squad of 20-odd players. I remember sitting beside Kate, so there's a drunken picture. There's a Ross County fan gave me a Guinness bottle, like a inflatable Guinness bottle. Mm-hmm. There's a picture of our, our beer. It was the only beer we had from air all the way to Cumbernauld to stay in the hotel so it was surreal because I was part of a team that won the league and it was a party we were very was they subdued but I think Derek Adams actually put his playlist on in the bus as well <laughs> coming back and I remember him he'll probably not admit that he's a big Rangers fan but he's a big Rangers fan and on the way back for air to Cumbernauld he made the bus go past Ibrox and uh, saying, well done guys, this is where you are going to be playing next year. And I was like, honest to God. And we managed to get back to Cumbernauld. And at that point, we just had a party. Um, the Westerwood Hotel, it's got a 24-hour bar. So we all just sat and we had a few beers. And um, I remember Derek coming down and saying, right, we've got a game on Saturday. Be in your bed for one o'clock. That certainly didn't happen either. I think a couple of the boys' players, a couple of the boys' trainers got through in the, the coal fire and we had a party. Um, and then we, we went back up the road on the Thursday and we trained on the Friday with a, a fitness guy. And I always remember Michael Gardine 
being sick on the training park and there was no there was no way we would have won that game on a Saturday but we played Dundee on a Saturday and they didn't clap us onto the pitch okay and and I th- we were like oh wait a minute this is a bit disrespectful and it's probably the best game we played that year we beat Dundee 3-0 at home after winning the league having been drunk for two days we beat them 3-0 and we battered them and then we had our party that Saturday night in Inverness and then the Sunday we were in Dingwall all day as well so a really really good time but I was disappointed in the players that I was only one of the beers. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say did you make it to I mean 8 to Cumbernauld roughly what just an hour just an hour between... an hour did you make well, it? Be reach. Oh, did you did you did you last? Did you make it last the journey, or did you turn it no, in one I go? Get, oh, I had to give it to all the boys, didn't I? Couldn't I just sit and drink with myself? So. <laughs> twenty-four beers shared between twenty boys. Uh, Ike loves his tenants lager, so he was probably the one that took two. Um, so no, it was. I, I, I think it was a bit unfair. I think after the season we'd had the boys deserve to kind of let themselves go and really enjoy it and do what they wanted but at that point the looks I was getting off the manager at the point because I'd brought beers and just cracked them open and started dishing them out um, it was probably the beginning of the end for me at that point <laughs> <laughs> uh, Now you mentioned him already Michael Fraser I bumped into him yesterday and, and he knows that you're uh, you're coming on the podcast and he he, uh, he he told me to mention Tenerife. Is that is that after mm-hmm. winning the? Did you have a good time in Tenerife? We had a very good time in Tenerife um, because we'd won the league. It was myself, Rocco O'Quinn, Joe Marlin, Michael Fraser, Mark Corcoran. We took uh, Mark McKearney with us, um, boy for Dingwall, and it was uh, Michael Fraser introduced me to Shisha. Is that what sheesh? Whatever it is, and it's fueled with vodka. It, it wasn't a good kind of mix for me, <laughs> so I was I was very drunk for four days. But it was a good weekend. The Sunday that we were there was the day that Aguero scored the goal for Man City. Oh, of course, I that kind of Aguero moment, and just you know a, a great bunch of boys, and to share it at that point with obviously me, Rocco, and. Michael Fraser, we were very close. The three of us were kind of that was your that was my support bubble up in Inverness, mm-hmm. and without them, I probably would have struggled. As much as I got on with a lot of the players, they three kind of made it easier for me. I had a young kid obviously in Glasgow, and I was trying to get home as much as I could. And uh, I'm still, in fact, I had a I could give me a drunken FaceTime about two months ago. We were on the phone for an hour just talking rubbish to each other on a on the on the FaceTime gone so it's it's good that I'm, I've still got these kind of relationships with the boys that were up there absolutely absolutely uh, and, and as you say you rightly have a great time that season uh, the club are in the Premier League for the, the Premiership for the first time uh, and it's quite ironic because um, Derek Adams driving past Ibrox but that didn't happen because Rangers Rangers <laughs> got uh, <laughs> just got demoted <laughs> Uh, we, and, we reminded them me and Rocco were big Celtic fans and me and Rocco reminded them of that the first day we walked into training for the, for the season in the Premier League and I was like as I said we did they got on as it is but me and Rocco were big Celtic fans and we were like remember you took us by Ibrox it's not happening mate but <laughs> he didn't appreciate that either but needless to say I mean it was an exciting time for the for everyone at the club um, <laughs> you have you have six more months at Ross County uh, you, you leave uh, your final game for the club is 
in uh, December of that that yep. uh, 2012 away to Celtic uh, just before Christmas. Um, in terms of the the kind of six months, uh, great to to obviously play in the Premier League again and having played your played a massive part and and getting Ross County there. In, in terms of how did it how did it end? You meant you mentioned there kind of a bit of a, a bit of friction with the manager there, uh, and you mentioned yeah. the beginning of the end there. It was that was that a, a a difference between you and Derek? Is that how it kind of ended, or was it a kind of amicable <laughs> split? Listen, it was amicable. I've got nothing bad to say about the club. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing at all. We, we, it was weird because we played. My last game was against Celtic at Parkhead. Mm-hmm. And I played the full ninety, and uh, after the game, he, I remember him saying to me, "When I think that's the best you've played for us." And I was like, "All right, brilliant." And then we went the next week. We went away to Hibs, and I was on the bench, mm-hmm. and I didn't get on. And I thought something was a bit strange here. And then we went to Marbella for the kind of winter break. And at that point, everybody, it came out that Richie had signed a pre-contract with St Johnston. And all of a sudden, we were in Marbella and me and Richie were kind of set aside. And I was like, something no right here. So obviously we were there and we had a night out and all that. I came back and we were playing a, a, a friendly against... I think it might have been Brora or somebody up north and I wasn't in the squad and either was Mark Corcoran and I remember Derek just saying I want to see you in the office and I remember him saying in the office saying I think it's time you moved on and I was like okay I mean two weeks ago I had my best game I thought I played well at Parkhead he went yeah I just don't think you're for me and I went okay and at that point I was like, well, and then I was going to sign for Dundee, um, but he wouldn't let me sign for Dundee, he wouldn't let me leave at that point uh, to go to another Premier League team. Mm-hmm. So I had to I had to choose whether to just stay for six months or go to Morton, and I decided to go to Morton because it was obvious that he didn't want me. So I felt that I deserved a wee bit more respect for everything that I gave, but at that point, that's who, that was his decision, so... Nothing really. We didn't have a major fallout. We, we fell out with each other for the whole duration I was there. We clashed, mm-hmm. but he, he, he cannot say for one second that I didn't give one hundred percent of the game that I played. And the fact that I went to, a, I mean, I'll never forget. I had to go to a funeral in Glasgow on a Tuesday, and I said to him, "I'm taking the Tuesday off. I'm got a funeral in Glasgow." He went, "Okay, I'll see you on Wednesday morning," and he made me come in the Wednesday morning myself to train with him. And I just, he just, from the very start, he didn't particularly like me as a person. Um, but the fact that I was scoring goals most weeks, he couldn't keep me out. And I just think that the first chance that he got that to get rid of me, he did. But at the end of the day, I had a great time up there, some great memories. And um, it's a, a place that it lives, it lives long with me, to be fair. Yeah, and that's, that's it certainly comes across as that and you know and having you've mentioned a lot of the uh you know the characters that we've had on the podcast and and that that time for ross county is a a real a real high point in the club's history um as well i mean getting to the premier league for the first time you know that's an achievement that no one will ever be uh, take away from from yourself or any of those those players you mentioned you got on to morton you also um you moved to stenhouse smear and you spent a couple of years at stenhouse smear as well and then 
then you you step into the uh, into the the management game and you become manager of of Stenhouse Smear. In terms of um, you know your your coaching and, and management going forward, um, you've you've mentioned I mean several uh, incredible managers uh, already in the in the last hour or so, Colin. I mean, in terms of the management when you became Stenhouse Smear manager, who was it you you kind of took? Um, inspiration from or was it a kind of collection of all the different managers you've worked under in your career but uh, I, I find it stupid to say I didn't want the manager's job at the time I didn't it wasn't something that was on my mind because obviously I was a, I was a kind of I was first team coach under Brown Ferguson I had a lot of time for him I then took the team for three games just as interim until they, they found somebody and I won we won a couple of games. We beat Falkirk in the Scottish Cup, which was the local derby, and it was huge. And then I got offered the job, and I was like, oh, God, right. So I took the job, and the first person I phoned was Stuart Bama, who was the um, assistant to Derek mm-hmm. in Ross County. I phoned him, asking if he would come in and be my assistant, because obviously I was inexperienced and needed a bit of help. And to this day, I'll say it was the best thing I'd done he was absolutely brilliant for me. And the amount of help with his experience was second to none. But then you do become, you learn things off other managers that you've worked under, but at the same time you want to try and do things your own way. And my my first six, seven months was relatively good. We, we went to Petaudry in the Scottish Cup, we managed to get a draw and take them to a replay. We managed to get off the bottom. We were we were really detached. We got off the bottom of the league, and we got we managed to get to the playoff. And unfortunately, we lost the playoff. And then that obviously has a knock on effect for your budget the next season. But I thought we recruited well. We done okay. Um, we started the bet Fred Cup, and we ran Dundee United close, who went on to romp the league. We. We were 1-0 up at Tynecastle with five minutes to go. We lost the game 2-1, very unlucky. And then I lost my three home games as manager, which ended up the worst thing. But the three, strangely enough, the three away games, we won two and drew one. And with the pyramid system the way it is now, teams are terrified of being locked off at the bottom of the league. And I'm, I lost my job, but... It's something that I've certainly learned from. I'm now coaching and enjoying it. Um, it's listen. Football moves on. As we've spoke about other people, football can always be there. I'm, I'm there to help now that I'm, I'm coaching and I'm looking forward to working with the younger players again. Are you still playing at the moment as well? Are you, st- are you kind of combining the playing <laughs> coaching know. role? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I'm forty next month, so. But no, I, my mate, my mate Kieran McInnesby, who's had an unbelievable career oh, in the yeah. game as well. St Johnston and Fulham, is, yeah. yeah. He's manager at, at Cumberland United to have joined the new West of Scotland League, part of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. So he asked me to come in as assistant manager. Um, so I've come in as assistant manager to him, help him out. It's 10 minutes from my door. But the way things, COVID happened, I've ended up playing again this year. So... Um, I've, I think I've, I've done okay. I'm, I've, I've got back up to fitness and uh, scored a few goals, and I'm just trying to help the young players around me now. I love coaching. Um, 
I'm not so much loving the playing. Obviously, the old legs, but the fact that I'm nearly I'm 40 next month, still fit enough to play 90 minutes, I think uh, deserves a wee bit of respect for all these young pups that are still kicking about. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, 90 <laughs> minutes more than me. Um, Colin, uh, it's been a pleasure chatting to you uh, about your uh, about your career. I mean, there's obviously a lot more that we could go into, and a lot more. Yeah. Uh, a lot more that we could we could talk about but uh, again thanks for your time uh, and it's been great chatting to you and obviously um, great to, to reminisce about that fantastic season with uh, uh, with Ross County that you had in 11-12 I was you know uh, covered all of the games that season and it was a uh, a, a joy to, to to cover and I remember that that, that Hamilton you know the, the title winning day as well just as uh, just as it's uh, just incredible, incredible times, you know. That's the thing. Like, I, I don't want to go on, but we got told we were having an open top bus. That's right. After yeah. that Hamilton game. That's right. And see, as players, we were mortified. We were totally mortified. Going, oh my god! Like, we're going to have an open top bus round Dingwall. Like, who's going to come? And it was Dingwall High Street and all the way down to. Victoria Park it was mobbed it was yep. seven eight deep mm-hmm. it was incredible and it's probably it'll be the one thing I remember from my time up there and honestly see as players we just thought that no nah, this isn't going to work this is going to be embarrassing we're going to be waving to nobody that was one of the best days of my career that uh-huh. open top bus and uh, it's incredible to think that that's what happened so Colin, uh, as I say, mate, it's been absolutely brilliant catching up with you, and uh, no and all, all the all the very best. Obviously, once we get football going again, and after COVID, etc., and and I, yeah. good luck with everything at, uh, in the next couple of months and years. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. Ah, oh, that's been brilliant, mate. Thank, no, I appreciate that.